Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! We had quite a week, didn't we, girls? Look at what happened in Texas. Oh. What the actual fuck is up with Texas? Dude, they're always screwing everything up for everybody. I swear to God, they're like, they're like my kids. <laughs> well, you know, it, it just amazes me because I just got done reading Edge of Eternity, which is the last in the century series. And it's based like during jfk's time mm -hmm. so back in the 60s mm -hmm. and you know where berlin the berlin wall was still up and desegregation was just happening and and all of this stuff and it amazes me how much of that stuff is still happening today as far as the prejudices and the republicans wanting to rule your life and tell you what you can do and can't do and you know i don't want to understand how you can say you want a smaller government well out of the other side of your mouth, having the government tell you what you can and cannot do with or your own body. What other people can and cannot do. I mean, you know, it was some old, rich, white Republican dude that made up that bill. We need to check and find out who actually wrote that goddamn thing. But I'm, I know you're right. Yeah. What thing? The bill that uh, oh. Texas passed. The um, Yeah. That yeah. abortion law. Yeah. New abortion law. Yeah. You know... One of the scarier things that I've read in the last week about this news is that apparently on a lot of the far right websites and Facebook pages and whatnot, they are expressing a lot of admiration for the Taliban what? as an as an example of grassroots believers who have taken back their country. And they're talking about using their techniques as a blueprint for the same thing to happen oh, with right-wing Christianity. The most frightening Fuck, thing I've ever You've got to be kidding me. No, and you know, I and I've seen the hashtag Texas Taliban in relation to the uh, to the abortion bill, the right. anti-abortion bill. Right, right. And and it's like, oh my God, I'm not sure if that's an attack from the left or if that's them proudly saying, yeah, we're the Texas version of the Taliban. You know, I'm totally, I'm gobsmacked right now. I had no idea that that was the chatter from the right. I really, I thought the Texas Taliban hashtag was us. Hmm. I, well, and it may be, but I, if they're, if they're actually up to doing a little smart marketing, the best thing they can do with a, with a hashtag like that, if it did come from the left, is to claim it and own it and turn it around to make it their statement. Did so you, I don't know. But see, this is what blows my mind with these right-wing Christian groups who think that we need to make all of this stuff in law, that they believe in their religion. This is not a belief that is through the whole country. Nope. Not the whole country mm -hmm. is right-wing religious Christian Oh, but they think freakazoids. it is. They think it is. But if uh -huh. you go way back when we very first came to this country... It was because of religious persecution. And what the hell are they doing now? 
they're persecuting people who are not of their religion, which is exactly, exactly it was because what we, of their per, their religious persecution, which is why now they're like, see, we came here for that very reason. And see, this we is why our thing. we need to teach all of the crazy, bad history so that people don't repeat it. Yes. So that people understand yeah. and people don't repeat it. I don't because- know. Does it even really matter at this point? It seems like people just want to rewrite history all over the place anyway yeah but it's it's just mainly the older generation that's trying to do this the younger generation a lot of the younger generation i'm not going to say all of them don't believe it i have seen so much stuff from like my son and my niece and everything who's the younger generation that are just there are kids though i mean dylan's the same way but there are kids we are I'm talking about Tory. Tory grew up in a military, really Republican Maybe there is household for the future, and she is extremely—I I won't say extremely—but a lot of her views are liberal, democratic. I just this is like a dystopian novel when your when your neighbors can stalk you and then rat you out to the popo if they think you might be pregnant and you got an abortion you know i mean what happens if you have a miscarriage you you have to prove that you had a miscarriage do you have to take a snapshot of it of your you know your clothes and whatnot yeah but what what if you have a miscarriage and then your neighbor says that you purposely took drugs so that you would miscarry i know there's no way to prove it you know what this is it's like in russia with the secret police we've got (laughs) ourselves the secret Texas Taliban freaking police trying to take over our lives and the women are not going to stand for it. <laughs> you know what I liked? I liked the, uh, I don't remember who tweeted it out. I think it was Bette Midler who said, every woman in this country needs to refuse to have sex until they give us our rights back. Mm-hmm. Every one of us, every single one of us needs to stand up and say no. Yeah, because... It went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court let Texas yeah, do we it. We knew that would happen the minute they put their majority on there. They've been trying to do this. They've been playing the long game since Bush. Yeah. Mm. And see, people ask me why I like historical fiction so much. These are the reasons. Because I can read back how many years ago? 1963. How many years ago was that? 50, I don't 60, even know. I'm just so 70 years and we've like gone nowhere. It's like we go two steps forward and three steps back. You yep. just we think that stop. we're doing we're, you know, making progress and then some freaking You cannot legislate group. religion and they need to stop. There's a reason why the government, the state and church is separated. Yeah. Why the government and the state is set or church is separated. Well, clearly, they want it to be like that so they can be just like Afghanistan when they grow up. Yeah. Fuckers. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be quiet about it either. <laughs> Hulk smash! <laughs> <laughs> when Dylan was little, he had those, those, uh, Hulk, those Hulk hands. Hulk that make, hands. Yes. Oh, and nice. they a big, puffy... You know, um, green hands, and you'd smash them to the other, and they'd go, Hulk smashed! Uh huh. <laughs> Tyler had those too. They were awesome. I think we played with them as much as Tyler I know we did. did. It was fun. Oh, well, now that we got that off our chest, sometimes we do have to talk about, oh, and the critical race theory thing too. 
Texas is just pissing me off. <laughs> critical race theory, which nobody actually is even teaching. No. What's critical but, race theory? Although it seems like the sort of thing somebody should be teaching because exactly. it sounds like kids right. might actually learn a little bit about the reality of the past. They're trying to show systemic racism over time and how the basis of our government was formed around it. And therefore, the system is in itself inherently racist. Oh, okay. And they don't want to do that because, and they don't want to teach people how not to be racist because so, it'll hurt their feelings and make them feel bad. Well, Oklahoma already passed a law for that. Exactly. Oklahoma sucks too. So Texas passed that law too? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, they did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. They did like five or six things all at once. Um, they went uh, through and there were two or three things that were voting related. They basically just crammed it all together and just said, oh. Yeah, I know that they made limits yeah. on the, on the um, where you vote and stuff. Yep. The polls, the voting polls. Okay, everyone. With me, okay? Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Now let's talk about something completely ridiculous so we can get ourselves into a better mood. Okay, so I've been um, exploring the wonderful world of TikTok lately because Yay! my son finally talked me into getting on TikTok. And I found this guy on TikTok. Remember way back, it's been a while ago when Phoenix read uh, Brenda's Barber or Brenda's, Brenda's Beaver Needs, needs a, a Barber. barber. Mm -hmm. Well, I found this Scottish guy on there, and that's what he does. He reads these ridiculous little kids' books. In a Scottish accent, which, of which course. Which is awesome, mm. because, I mean... <laughs> and, we're, yummy. and we're talking, like, super Scottish. Like, none He's of this, a yummy like, guy, too. He is yeah. yummy. Keith can put up a link to his... If you would, please, Keith. You're the best. And I think the last one that I, I read was something about, I can't remember the squirrel's name. Yes. Oh, the squirrel's nuts? The something about the yes. squirrel? Yes. Yeah, I oh, sent yeah. it to and you. And his big nuts. Yeah. Oh, my God. He it likes was so to put funny. his nuts in his friend's mouth. Sarah, his friend Sarah. <laughs> Sarah sometimes puts both nuts in her mouth at once. <laughs> It was just hilarious. Awful. And the guy like cracks up during these. <laughs> and I had to follow him. I actually sent a message and told him we were going to talk about him on the podcast. <laughs> because he's just, it's freaking hilarious. Didn't you say he reads Brenda's Beaver Needs a Barber as well? Right. That's why it caught my attention when oh. I was like flipping. <laughs> because I was like, hey, I know that book. And then I listened to the Scottish guy and I'm like, Oh, Phoenix is going to be jealous now because she thought she had the corner on that market. Guess not. Nope. Sorry, Phoenix. I don't know if she has it on TikTok, but I'm sorry, Phoenix. I'd rather watch the hot Scottish guy <laughs> read about big nuts. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> and yeah, that book is very popular. Uh, I've heard about it many places. And who says there's no happiness left in the world? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> It's called these big. We've nuts. gotten very lazy in my house. Like Alexa turns off all my lights. I'm talking about Alexa. I couldn't hear Vonnie. I missed hearing Vonnie because my kitchen bitch was talking over you. I, I wasn't saying anything. Always so quiet because you've got her in the closet. For God's sake. 
I don't have any choice. This is a bedroom. <laughs> what are you going to do? What? what? I'm all, you know, I think I'm further in the closet than what I usually am. You could scoot. Why up. is that, Bonnie? <laughs> I think last time, like, I was having trouble, like, trying to scoot my chair. So I scooted the whole table. And so I've just eventually worked myself into the closet. Yeah, she doesn't like more to be close to me. It's, yeah, I must smell. Martha, she doesn't want to hurt my feet. I'm trying to social distance. Yeah, I have it. It looks back. like if somebody were to come in, you could kind of slam a door and just shut Bonnie in the closet. Oh. It would kind of be like a scene out of misery where she. <laughs> 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 if you get that big hammer out though i'm freaking leaving <laughs> let's hobble her god damn that was a scary freaking book speaking of scary don't forget october is coming we're all reading our scary books some people yep. against their will <laughs> speaking of misery <laughs> i haven't started my scary books yet you better get on it we don't have a lot of time you got four to read. I have to have it fresh in my brain. Yeah, I like to try to find the good ones. And so far, I've been striking out. I've been striking out a few times. Mm. My problem is I'm just choosy. I like some really crunchy horror. And most of the stuff that they have out there is real surface. In other words, it's not very scary. It's for people like Megan, who are wimps and don't like <laughs> scary stuff. Sorry, Megan. Like you want to hear something scary? Hmm. What's scary? I started a Ken Follett book, and I think I'm going to DNF it. <gasps> no! See? Oh, Ken! Cats laying down with dogs? Vonnie not finishing a Ken Follett? It, it really is the end of the fucking <laughs> world. the zombie wow. apocalypse. What the actual? Which Holy one? Holy crap. It's called... Um, a key for Rebecca and it's kind of like a spy novel historical fiction spy novel and I just couldn't get into it I just Whoa. oh my god that sounds like totally you too well I don't really care for spy novels that much you don't like spy novels I, like I swear there was fiction. a time when that's all you read. No, that was like, me. I like spy novels. I'm I go through I went through a spell that it seemed like every book that I read was like a spy novel Yes. And I was like, all right, I need to get out of these spy novels because they're okay. For like a month. But yeah, they're like not, I don't know, I just couldn't. Well, it was like, it was set in um, the Middle East too. Yeah, so, I like the Middle East. And I don't really care for. I don't like the Taliban, those fuckers. Reading about that part of the, I just can't get into that part of the country like I do Russia or Germany. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your little niche and sometimes when you go outside of it, you discover something wonderful or discover that you just really don't like it. Mm -hmm. Kind of like when you haven't eaten a certain food for a long time. And you think, oh, I really used to love macaroni and cheese from Stouffer's. And then you try it and you're like, holy shit, that's rich. I, I don't think I can eat all that. <laughs> then you're like, why did I ever like this? <laughs> or you try something you haven't eaten in a long time. You're like, you know what? I'm going to see if I still just don't like this. And guess what? You still don't like, I don't it. like it. Circus mm. peanuts yeah. as an example. <laughs> Dear God in heaven, circus <laughs> peanuts. Since we're talking about horrible things, let's just add that in. Since Those things are just like coming. thick marshmallows. Sorry, They're Jamie, weird. but way no. Worse. Way, way, one, way worse. One vote for the circus, circus peanuts and candy corn and all of that. I love it. Dear God. I like candy corn. Wouldn't I like candy corn. That? Like I was walking around with Jamie in Denver. She, she was talking about how she really was wanting circus peanuts. And I was like, please buy them when I have my, my eyes shielded because yuck. 
think I've ever heard of anybody seeking out circus penis. And now I know something about Jamie I didn't know before. <laughs> it's the way to her heart. All right. Can we can we transition from circus penis into uh <laughs> into something? Anybody reading a circusy acrobatic kind of book? Well, no. Or anything with elephants? <laughs> or uh creepy ring uh, I almost said ring bearer. Creepy ringmaster? No. Nope. Oh, I'm not I don't know. I think yet. all ringmasters are kind of sexy now that, you know, Megan's movie came out. Still haven't seen it. What movie is that? Dude, it's good. Just because she likes it doesn't mean you won't. No, you I will. just don't watch. Wait. I don't watch TV. That one's worth it. I really like it. And I don't watch I can't TV even tell you the last either. time I watched a movie. I just don't watch them anymore. I know. Reader, Honestly, man. I don't either. I don't either. But every once in a while, and that one's a good one, you we won't waste your time. We used to go to the movies in the olden days before the plague came. You know what? That I don't like a whole lot. I, like I don't like watching movies. something for the first time with a bunch of people around me because you've heard me laugh. I feel like everyone's judging my big, loud laugh. I like your I big, loud laugh. It's You're enjoying awesome. it. A laugh like that makes other people feel more at ease and that they can laugh. Yeah. People like you are gold in the audience. Yes. From a performer standpoint, Keith, you are gold. Yeah, I'm just loud. It's cool. You know, I got to say, I'm actually missing Megan. I haven't seen her for like two months. She hasn't even mentioned been what on the, the podcast in so long. I know. And she's not going to be here next week and then i'll be gone the weekend after and then she'll be gone again the weekend after that it's a concert thing she she had to she had to fill it up well it's it's because everything everything is off restriction now yeah everything got well you gotta do it while you can yeah because you know those are coming back yeah yeah yep 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 y'all just waiting on me yes is there any baby thrown into a river um it's about that sad Oh, man. It's definitely some very historical trauma porn. Gripes. What goes well with trauma porn? You know how they pair Halloween candy with wine? Ew, really? Yeah, there's <laughs> actually disgusting. there's actually a thing for that. And Girl Scout cookies, they, they will suggest a wine for you to go with your Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> well, I think trauma porn like this would just be straight up tequila. Slices of lime. Vodka. Why, is there a Mexican component? No. Well, then you'd have to go with whatever, like, schnapps if it's German. No. What would be like? is not a trauma porn kind of liquor. Okay. Well, vodka? Vodka if it's Russian. Um, bourbon, maybe. Now, this it's... is like the Dakota oh. territory. So what would be? Oh, whiskey. Oh, Definitely whiskey. whiskey. Yeah. Definitely be mm-hmm. some whiskey swilling kind of book that you... <laughs> Maybe yeah, drink a take, little before you start. Take several shots before you start in order to keep yourself from... I'm, I'm just still intrigued by the notion of wine that's paired with Girl Scout cookies, which made me go, do they still make Boone's Farm? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, they do. As they a matter really? of, I, I think so, yes. Well, mm-hmm. now I'm kind of curious what kind of wine you would pair with Girl Scout cookies. Well, well what? I bet port is like a dessert wine, right? I, I bet it's Googleable. Googleable? Mm-hmm. It would have to be a. That's a, sweet that's a wine. verb in case you need to write that down. <laughs> Googleable. Googleable. <laughs> TM. Like a, a Riesling. 
<laughs> we need to contact a sommelier. Is that how you pronounce it? Sommelier, Those yes. Wine dudes. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Listen, you being all fancy. I, I, I watch talk shows with, with 10 or 11 year old daughters. So he knows all about Girl Scout cookies and all about wine. Then has lots of Girl Scout cookies to go with. Yes. The wine. God Perfect damn it. Now you people are making me hungry. Vani. I know. I want cookies. Bring me do down, girl. Do you have any cookies? You're going to want to eat it's some the cookies. Of despair. <laughs> My book this week is The Children's Blizzard by Melanie Benjamin. <gasps> The Children's Blizzard? The Children's Blizzard. This is one that was recommended on that historical Facebook page that I'm a member of that I, I get a lot of my books from. some of them need to be on Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to need to be on Prozac. Some of them got to be depressed. Some of the books. And our library actually did not have this, and I recommended it to the library, and they oh, got no. it. So it was kind of like one of those books that just – randomly showed up in my inbox because when you recommend a book they automatically check it out for you when they get it That's so nice. this was a random surprise everybody likes surprises this is said in I'm, I'm actually really curious because a friend recommended it to me a couple years ago and i had not gotten around to it but it sounded fascinating it actually was pretty fascinating um it's based on a true event because you oh, know no. historical fiction yada yada so I, I went and i looked up the actual event and what happened and it's fascinating and horrifying at the same time that this happened so this is set in the dakota territories in 1888 in january of 1888 and at the time that part of the united states wasn't very populated so one of the campaigns for like the newspapers was to send flyers out and try to get people to move to the area and they would like offer them like free land and telling them how great it was and you know beautiful sunsets and yada yada so on and so forth really playing it up and not mentioning about like the wildfires and the extreme weather as anyone who's lived in the Midwest is going to know how bipolar our weather is. So a lot of these people who move are immigrants because of the promise of free land and everything. So a lot of them don't speak English and um, there's not a lot of like school teachers or anything else. So as girls are educated and graduating school, which is a lot different than now because they're like 15 16 right. years old they are going and teaching at these one one room schoolhouses in the D dakota territory away from their parents and they have to be like the voice of reason for these children when they're not when they're still really children themselves so that just kind of sets you up kind of what's going on Plus, you know, they have to be hosted by other families. So they have to move in with these families that they don't really know and they don't know their situation. Sometimes they move into, you know, a really great house. Sometimes they move into houses that already have tension. And just, it is not a situation that I think that I would want to be in. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be 15 and taken out of my house and gone 150 miles by horse and buggy to a different town to live with people I don't know. But 
46 and I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and <laughs> so this is basically centered around two sisters who have graduated school and became teachers and they both go to different towns and it's kind of a parallel story for both of them. Both of them are kind of in similar situations, living with strangers, teaching in a schoolhouse. One of them's 15, one of them's 16. And right around this time period, like in January of 1988, and you can look it up, I'm pretty sure that their dates are pretty accurate in the book compared to the real event. They had a cold snap, which kept everybody in their houses hunkered down for like a few days, maybe a week or so. And then it got extremely, it got warmer than normal. So when it got warmer than normal, everybody, of course, you know, had cabin fever and they wanted to air out their, you know, their clothes and everybody went back to school and everything and didn't even wear their... That's when my kids wear shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even wear like their winter gear, their heavy winter gear because it was so nice that day. Well, this particular day was a day that started off extremely nice and warm. And then about the time that the kids were getting out of school, a blizzard moved in and it moved in fast. And of course, it's always when the kids are getting out of school, dude. And of course, there's not any warning because they don't have like the weather the weather people like we do now so nobody knew how bad this blizzard was going to get or whether they should just hurry and try to get home or hunker down or or anything else and this is the story of the decisions that these two separate sisters made and how it affected everyone involved and I'm talking this storm moved in so fast that farmers couldn't get their cattle and their horses in from the fields. There were uh, livestock that just died right there because it was so cold that they couldn't, they couldn't even breathe. I mean, just brutal, brutal cold. Because as soon as the snow started to let up, the temperatures dropped. And when they dropped, they dropped to, I'm talking like 20 to 30 below zero. So I'm talking, I mean, it's so cold that you can't survive. And that's basically what this story's about. So wait, these kids, did the kids already leave for school or they hadn't left yet? You have to read it. Damn They're it. two different situations. <laughs> this two is different terrible. sisters, two different sisters' decisions. I'm and picturing how... all these little frozen children on their way home from school. <laughs> well, in the actual event, that's what happened. I, I'm not talking about the book because of course, mm. you know, this happened in such a huge area that there was a lot of kids that were coming out. And we're not even talking about kids. We're talking about, you know, farmers that went out to try to get their livestock. And I mean, just some people lost three or four members of their family. Dude, that's messed up. Because they froze to death. They couldn't get out of in out of the weather. And just people lost limbs from frostbite. I mean, it was it's horrible. Reading so this wait, book. people people are telling you guys to read this book. They're like, I've got the best book for you. It's going to make you like question everything in your life and want to kill yourself. Yay. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, you couldn't handle it. Don't read it. <laughs> Pat, you should read it and let me know what you think. It's on my list. So it just bumped up a couple more notches. <laughs> right. It was because, you know, frozen kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who doesn't want to read about that? Um, this book kind of jumps around a lot. And I did the audio, so it might be better to read the actual book because both of the girls with the parallel stories, they also reminisce and go Um, back and forth between memories and current. And also the families that they live with also kind of do that too. So at times it was a little hard to keep track of which sister and which story and whether it was, you know, a memory. And then sometimes there would be a flash of a memory and you're like, wait, go back to that memory. I want to know more about that. But then they never do. So that's a little frustrating because, you know, me, I'm like, no, I want to know all the information. But so there's, there's some things that go unanswered, which I don't like, but All in all, it was a really great story. I wish I could tell you more, but if I tell details about where the girls end up... I don't want to hear any more. It gives away too much about the story that you need to find out because, I mean, there's holy shit moments through this book. I bet. And you're like, you're like, it's one of those ones that you're yelling at the characters. You're like, what the fuck are you thinking? No, but... You'd want to put your book in the freezer, but that would just be adding to the trauma. Exactly, right? And that would just... (laughs) Keith, you had to go there, Maybe put it in the oven. Put it in the fire. (laughs) Your robot book. (laughs) To warm my book a little bit. Microwave. (laughs) Yeah, but it, it was a good book. Like I said, when I very first started it with... It going back and forth at first I was kind of like all right am I even gonna like this book and mm. of course I did once the blizzard hit and I started getting angry with the characters and then I was all about it then there was feelings just bouncing around and you know that's what I like a book that makes me feel and that again was the children's blizzard by Melanie Benjamin. Keith, I, I don't think that you should read this book. Oh, don't worry. I, don't I was think not you, planning you on it. You survive it. You would I'm already me. picturing dead little children's sickles in the plains. You would hate me even more after reading the Yeet the Baby. Yeet the Baby book. Eat the Baby book. I don't hate you. I feel like I grew as a person from reading that book. I just don't want to repeat the experience. I understand. I've grown enough. Okay, who's got the sadder of the two of you i have another historical fiction so you might want to have pat go what do you got pat got a ghost story yay all right Uh, yeah getting a a little early jump on on season only this is not your typical ghost story it is called big sleep boogie by bill (laughs) kerwin most ghost stories are about living people being haunted by ghosts everybody in this book pretty much is a ghost it takes place on the other side, after they have crossed over and entered the world of the dead, which is a whole lot like the world of the living, except the living are kind of hazy and fuzzy and they don't really take much notice of them. Once or twice, one of them may blunder into a scene and blunder out again. But essentially, 
the world of the dead coexists in space and time right next to the world of the living. They just don't really interact much with each other. Hmm. And our main character is Archer Blackwood, P.I. He had been a private investigator in his living life. Now he is a private immigrationist. He helps newly dead people immigrate into the world of dead society and and figure things out. And so like sort of like the welcome wagon for the deceased. Sort of, nice. Yeah, sort of that's that's kind of what he does only what he does ends up being more like a private eye pretty quickly because he comes across a young woman who was murdered and she is convinced that her sister was also murdered at the same time only no one's seen any sign of her sister show up here on the dead side. So they're trying to find her sister. They're trying to figure out what's going on there. There's also a conspiracy in which basically a criminal gang on the dead side looks for newbies who who have come through and haven't gotten their feet under them yet and takes advantage of them, kidnaps them and drains the, I was going to say life essence, essence, but it's more like death essence out of them. Like online dating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. <laughs> and there's there's like it and it's all set in Columbus, Ohio. I I spent 4 years in Columbus, so it was I kind of recognized a lot of the references cuz dead Columbus is a lot like live Columbus and that can be said on many levels or at least <laughs> granted I lived there like 40 some years ago. It may be a whole different town now. <laughs> but uh Sorry, Columbus. <laughs> Isn't that where the Air Force Base is? There goes is? my last shot at anybody ever putting a this famous person lived here once plaque on the, <laughs> on, the on the scummy student ghetto apartment building that I lived in. <laughs> you better get a little bit more famous before you get that, Pat. Columbus has a pretty vibrant Italian community, and it's got the old Italian families who are pretty much the same dead as they are alive. There's a church with a priest who's got some mysterious shenanigans going on. There's a wonderful character who's like a street hipster rapper who speaks everything in rhyme. And he's he's the informant for this private eye and he only takes payment in poems. You have to you have to have <laughs> enough shit. good poems that he likes and if he likes them then he'll give you a bunch of information. God, all damn, in rhyme. It's a weird book, Pat. It, it sounds it, like something I would read. That's what I was I thinking. was just going to say it's very Martha-esque. Yes. It is its style is like a parody of old detective fiction of like film noir type stuff. It's not real long. It's just a little over 200 pages and you can get it on Kindle for 2.99. I mean it's a, I believe Martha it's a came out in 2019 and as far as I know it's his only book so far. So a debut oh. author who is still debuting and I'm liking it more and more now. I think you might like it. It's a it's a fun read and pretty interesting, pretty cool. Well, I am intrigued. Yeah. And it does that sound was, good. It does sound like exactly like something I would read. It's very well written. It's it's a it's a real good one. So that was Big Sleep Boogie by Bill Kerwin. Awesome. That sounds interesting. That sounds fun. <laughs> it sounds does like a sound, fun. It book. does. I like that. Especially one. like the poem thing. Like you have to rhyme for this right. guy to the tell boogie, you something. The big sleep boogie. I would suck at paying somebody in poems. <laughs> is it, big trouble. Is it weird that that book kind of reminds me of like Beetlejuice? Like I, I the was random thinking the same thing stuff, the whole like, way through it. I was picturing Beetlejuice people. 
Yeah, like um, what is it? The Handbook of the Recently Dead. Do yes. they pass oh, that yeah. out too? I think that's why. <laughs> okay, Keith. You said you've got historical fiction. I know it's a departure for me. It's weird. That's okay. Um, we 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 like to have departures occasionally. It keeps people on their toes. The book I'm reviewing is called What Passes as Love, and it's by Trisha R. Thomas. And she actually has a long running series of romance books. And this is a little bit of a departure for her because this is a historical fiction book, but I really, really enjoyed it. It takes place in the 1850s and uh, it's about a young woman named Dahlia. And she is uh, the daughter of a slave, but her, her father is the master of the house. Uh, his name was Lewis Holt, like the master of the plantation, I guess. So when she is six years old, she, her mother dies when she's very young. And when she's six years old, she, this whole time she's been being raised by some of the other slaves. And suddenly she's come and taken by her father to live in the house. And so she's a servant in the house. And there are other daughters that are also in the house and they uh, also are daughters of this gentleman. Uh, so yeah, he got around. <laughs> Sounds like it. But the really interesting thing about all these daughters are that they all are so light-skinned that they pass as white women, which is pretty much the reason why he takes her into his household. So Dahlia grows up and she doesn't have the life of a slave, but I mean, she doesn't really have the life of one of the daughters either. There is a grandmother who her grandmother treats her very well. So she she's just kind of between worlds. And then one day everyone's going to town and it's her 16th birthday. And so to celebrate, they let her um, wear this beautiful dress, this really fancy dress. And she goes into town with everyone. And a whole bunch of stuff is happening in town. And she kind of gets separated uh, from her, I guess you would call her her stepmother and her sisters. And so she's wearing this awesome dress and nobody in town knows her because they never go to town. So she's just kind of acting like a white woman and really enjoying herself. And she meets this young Englishman and he seems really sweet and nice and a big, um, like a bank robbery happens and the police are being really kind of crazy and trying to get everybody to just leave so that they can sort out this bank robbery stuff. And she's separated from everyone she knows. And the young gentleman is like, hi, I need a wife and you seem really, really sweet and your family is nowhere to be found and we got to get out of here. Would you like to get married? So she says, sure. <laughs> So the two of the, she moves into his household and she reinvents herself, basically. So now she is just a white woman. And the day she goes into town, she goes with her stepmother and her sisters, but one of the slaves drives them into town. And he, his name is Bo. And she and Bo, Dahlia and Bo have grown up together and they have been very close, even though she was separated from him when she was six. So they've grown up and they're very good friends and he gets punished severely because they pretty much blame him, even though he really has nothing to do with any of the situations that have happened. 
So the story is told from both Dahlia's perspective and Bo's perspective. Bo is sold into the slave market. So we see all the really awful things that happened in the period uh, and happened to Bo. And then somehow Bo actually gets sold to Dahlia's household. And Dahlia has, she's renamed herself. So now she, her name is Lily. So she has made herself into a completely different person. And then all of a sudden Bo shows up. And when she sees the way Bo is treated, the whole book is just really about how she is in these two worlds and she doesn't belong to either of them because she has to watch the family mistreat people that she loves like Bo and people that she has become very good friends with like the other staff in the home because she feels kindred with them and she doesn't really understand the life of privilege that she is supposed to be in now. So it's almost like she's living two lives. It really is. And um, she is told repeatedly by a woman who, a black woman who is trying to kind of mentor her. She's like, you know, here's the thing. You need to pick one. You can't live in between both. Like she's trying to talk with the servants and the slaves and she's trying to give them water when this the servant master won't doesn't want them to have water so she's interfering and trying to give them better life and a white woman wouldn't do that in this time period a white woman wouldn't care so the the whole book is just it's it's an amazing look at and it's based on a true story so i i mean i it's fictionalized account obviously but It's just an amazing look at how torn you would be. You really, you, you aren't either. And that didn't happen a lot that people could tell in those days. That just wasn't a thing. Like there weren't women that were so light skinned that were half black that they could pass as white. So it was a very uncommon phenomenon. It's such a backwards time that the two cannot, they can't coincide together, those two lives. Throughout the book, I kept thinking, even now, how difficult it is for people who have mixed heritages because of the way other people make them feel like they have to act. Yep. Yeah. And back then, holy wow, like what on earth? Like, you're not, I can't even fathom. Exactly. You're not accepted by this tribe. She's no one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She has, she has nothing. It was very thought provoking. I honestly didn't think I would like it because I am not a huge historical fiction person, but I am really, really glad I read it. I enjoyed it a lot. And it was it was sent to us, actually, uh, by Tricia Thomas and uh, Jennifer Richards through Lake Union Publishing. So I want to thank them because, yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't have read it, but they said to me, we know you read romance. She is a romance writer, but this is a little bit of a, you know, mm. transition for her. You want to try it out. And it was great. I really liked it. Um, and again, that was What Passes as Love by Trisha R. Thomas. Cool. That's awesome. That's Yeah. It was definitely kind of graphic. So, I mean, that's, there's that warning. I sometimes think when we, when Americans write about our own history, they tend to gloss it over a little bit because I think that's it's exactly almost it. like we're guilty by association. 
Right. That's exactly it. And that it shouldn't be that way. You should write it just like everything else, because this is a horrific thing that happened. Yes, it happened in America. Yes, it our ancestors are responsible. We need to own up to it and not gloss it over because that's the only way you learn. And taking responsibility for what happened in our country is not by any means saying we would do that or, you know what I mean? Like, and people sometimes take it as that. Mm. Like, they're like, well, I shouldn't feel guilty because I didn't do it. That's not what anyone's asking. They're just asking you to accept that it happened and say, yeah, that was awful. And And, take measures to correct it. it never, ever should happen again. Right. Exactly. And take (laughs) measures to correct what hasn't been corrected already because... I mean, that's the only way you move forward. Mm. Right. Totally. All right. You guys ready for some hitman action? <laughs> Martha <laughs> has to bring up the room today. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I know. With with murder. That's Woo! how deep we Yay, are today. Murder. <laughs> Yay, murder. I am reviewing a Stephen King novel that has nothing creepy, nothing supernatural, and nothing King-like at all in it. That's a stretch for him. Are you sure him. he wrote it? I'm positive he wrote it. (laughs) There are the hallmarks of his personality in there. He's got a lot of little Easter eggs like he often does. Um, But but it was hard from the point of view of an extreme Stephen King lover to read this book because I kept trying to find that weird element. And it really is not there. It's really hard to describe how good this book is from a different point of view, because I I never would have read this book if it hadn't been written by him. Because I really enjoy his writing style. I like most of the things he's written. But I have to say, this has got to be one of his, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, one of his best books, because it's written in such a way, I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I mean, it's just written so well. But let me stop gushing a minute and tell you what it's about. First of all, I need to tell you that it's called Billy Summers by Stephen King. It is kind of a tired trope in in a way, which is one of the reasons why I was so hesitant when I kind of realized what it was going to be about. There were several things about it that were things that I do not choose to read about. I'm not really that into veteran type stories because I I wasn't a sniper. I I don't really have that military theme running through my family. And so it's just not really something I seek out. But he's a guy who was a military sniper. He's got some issues that go with that. Uh, But he was really good at it. And because he was really good at it, he became a hitman. And it's just like any kind of crime. You have to justify or any kind of bad thing that a person does. In order to keep themselves from going insane, they give themselves rules in their head to say, okay, yes, I'm going to kill a person, but this person is bad. And that's sort of how he works through it. He does these jobs as a way of ridding people, ridding the world of people that are just horrible people. Right. And so he has come to a point in his life where he's kind of decided that he's done. He's not going to really do any more jobs. But this guy that he worked with often and a guy who kind of knew what the buttons were to push to get him to do this one last job. That's what I'm talking about. The trope. Oh, it's just one last job. 
Well, the guy offers. It's always that one last job, I know, job, man. right? I know. <laughs> so they offer him an obscene amount of money to do this hit, but it's got some really unusual things that he has to do. He has to move to this town. And it's like a long game. I mean, he has to commit to like a year or something. And they, they buy this house and he has to go live in the house and infiltrate the neighborhood and live there and act like a normal person. And they've decided that he's a writer. Well, he himself has never considered being a writer and he has a persona that he puts forward for his employers that makes him seem very simple-minded. And so he has Billy that works and then the real Billy that he never shows anyone. Mm. And so it's interesting because he's got that little dialogue going in his head of, okay, they're going to expect me to write something. I have to write something, but I'm going to write it in the voice of Billy the hitman, not the real Billy, because I know they're going to watch what I'm doing. I know they're going to see it. And so this is how I'm going to go about it. And then he starts to tell his story and you hear about his childhood and some of the things that have happened to him. And it's a compelling story. It's a great story. And so you become involved in his life. You become, um, invested in him as a person but at the same time he's getting ready for this job and the job is that he has to kill this guy who's going to testify against he doesn't know who hired him he doesn't know who the actual person that hired him for the job is he know who hired him he just doesn't know who wanted the uh, hit done <clears throat> he knows it's not it can't be anything good obviously he has to do the job on the first day that this guy goes to court, but nobody knows exactly when it's going to be. So he has to remain very flexible. And he goes through a little bit of time and something happens that threatens to break his cover. And that is, and it's like days before he's supposed to do this job. Somebody stops in front of his house, a van, and they throw this girl out into the street. And she is clearly not doing very well at all. She's, she's gravely injured. He knows he can't call the cops because he can't be on anybody's radar. So he's really mm. conflicted and he doesn't want to get involved. But at the end of the day, he goes out and gets her. And... Trigger warning for rape because it's bad. What's been done to her? Oh, yes. I was like, Billy. No, he doesn't, Billy doesn't rape her. <laughs> Billy doesn't rape her. Okay. But he does take revenge for her, which is really fucking cool. That Yay. part of it was really cool. The stuff he did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so there's a little is, graphic. Oh, of course it's graphic. It's Stephen King, you know. <laughs> But it was, it was so well-crafted and so well-put-together that they're just... The only thing that, I, that was against it in my mind was the time it took me to get into it, but it was because I was looking for him. I was looking for 
the writing style that I've come to know and love. I was looking for something to like catch me when it came to that, but it really wasn't that kind of a book. So it's after having gone back again, I bumped it up another star because I just <laughs> thought about it and thought about it. And I thought, you know, I can't find a single thing wrong with this book. And I went back just a few minutes ago while I was listening to you guys. There were a few people who really hated this book. And the reason they really hated it was because of his sly political commentary. Which is, of course, one of the reasons that I loved it. Because right? all those jabs towards certain people... He who must not be named, um, really, you know, just added to the story because it was the current political climate that really enhanced my enjoyment of the story. So, Billy Summers was a five star read for me. And it was the kind of book that if you've never read a Stephen King book before, this is not the one to start with because it was <laughs> not normal for him. It was different from anything he's ever done. It was very well written, of course, but it was n in no way indicative of his style, canon, his great, huge body of work. There was nothing weird in it at all. No supernatural, mm. no... That, well, that some of his thing. best stuff doesn't. I mean, misery has no supernatural. Yeah, true, misery does. Body has no supernatural. True, that some of he gets backed into a corner, I think, and yeah. he's much better and broader than a lot of people give him credit for. He is, and every once in a while, he does come out with a book like that. But you still get that element of it. I mean, like the Green Mile, the way that was yeah. written, it was his immediately. And mm -hmm. I think because of the way he wrote this, this veteran and clearly he had done some research about PTSD and those sorts of things that made it so that it didn't feel like his writing even though you know all of those ones you just mentioned don't have anything supernatural in them but it was really different for him so good oh my gosh I would say I would recommend this book to lots of different kinds of people because it's more accessible in some ways than some of his mm -hmm. other work. Yeah, because not everybody wants to read about the supernatural. Exactly. It'll be a movie, there's no doubt in my mind, or a series. It really should be a series. Because it was so well-written, there were elements of things that could be expanded upon and that could be explored in a different way. Um, the way he had to integrate himself into the neighborhood yeah. and with with all of his you know the way he had to build his character some of the things it was just so very good <sighs> i i think i would say maybe in the last 15 to 20 years he's his characterizations have gone deeper and deeper uh and that and one i just read lisey's story was which was written about 15 years ago but same thing. Yeah. He took a long time building the character and really letting you get to know it. lots of different little aspects of her. And so it was a slow burn. It wasn't, I, I'm used. I haven't like, read that like one. Said, I think. I you, you start, that one. I mean, a lot of his books by the, by about the third page, you're going, what's happening next? And, yeah, and right, you're like that right. through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. 
these aren't. They, he takes a, a longer time to build the character. And the suspense is eventually there, but it's not there from the first page. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing I find interesting about him as a writer is that, you know, he's, he writes, he's very prolific. But mm-hmm. yet his work doesn't get old. Like, like some of them, I hate to say this because I know you love him, but Dean Koontz, his work has not gotten better over the years. No, I've, I've actually DNF'd a lot yeah. of Dean Koontz. He so. has sort of gotten into his niche mm-hmm. and stagnated there. And to see Stephen King at this point in his career blossom and go in a new direction, it's almost like watching a tree that has always produced apples produce a pomegranate. You know, it's just... That'd some- be some trick. Well, it's different, you know, and it's complex and it's beautiful and it's sweet and it's sour and it's, oh, can you tell I'm just madly in love with his writing style? Oh my gosh, if he were younger, I would stalk the fuck out of him. I feel like I'm in an SAT question and it's like Martha is to Stephen King as Vonnie is to and I'm like, I know, I know, it's Ken Follett. You know, I've always loved him. He has always been my first love as a, an adult. So anyway, I highly recommend that you read Billy Summers by Stephen King. I was going to say, I will be reviewing one of the classic Stephen King novels for October this year. One that I have not reviewed yet. Ooh, ooh. You gonna let us know which one, or do we have to wait? Uh, I haven't decided yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find one that we haven't reviewed yet, and that nobody else wants to review, and then I'll review that. Well, I mean, on, there's plenty on the podcast. I know. Yeah, he's I got mean, a really great, lots, great selection, lots of good stuff to choose from. I need a cookie. I'll get you a cookie. After all of done. this, this podcast has really been like extremely um up and down and up up and down down and up and down Mm. so i think i'm gonna need two cookies after this conversation the size of those cookies honey i don't think so i think they need to be a fucking sugar cum i think they need to be as big as a d's big nuts that that tiktok video i want my nut sack to drag the ground dear god (laughs) next week i'm gonna talk about (laughs) jesus christ Hold that thought. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about this new jewelry that I found while I was on vacation oh, that I shoot. totally forgot to talk about because I was so mad about fucking Texas. So next week, I'm going to put a link up to this awesome jewelry place and we'll talk about it next week. And we need to Google what kind of wine goes with those cookies because we might need some wine if mm. Texas doesn't get their mm-hmm. act together. We're all going to have to be drugged. In order to go forward, we'll have to be drugged. We need alcohol to live our lives. I know that that Girl Scout cookie thing exists because Ron and I sat on the couch and tried it. Was it any good? <laughs> was it good? Yeah, of course it was good. You know, chocolate wine and, and Girl Scout cookies. Chocolate and wine goes well together, you guys. It really mm-hmm. does. Trefoils and Le Cadeau Semi Seco. Dude, I don't know what this, some of this, what? Wow, they have brands and everything? Yeah. I thought they just have like, oh, with a rosé, you know? Tagalongs with an Alliance Cellars 2008 rosé, 18 rosé. Like, if you get 2019, you're shit out of luck. It's going to ruin the cookies. I mean, there there are probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. See, this one says a a good general rule of thumb is pairing wine with cookies is 
The darker the dessert, the darker the wine. So, so if you're so going to do a sugar cookie, then I guess white wine? Would white wine White wine, or yeah. you could use a uh, Riesling. Riesling is what I like. No, I'd be down That's for a Riesling. I'm, I'm I like Riesling. See? See, the kind Ooh. of cookies they talk about in my books would pair with any kind of wine. So what kind of cookies... Do they talk about in your books, Key? <laughs> yeah, see, when they say that they want to get into their cookies, it's like a whole different. What does it mean? What do you think it means? I read smut. And since, you missed it, Martha. Somehow what? I have invaded Mar- Vonnie's Facebook feeds, and now she's getting recommended these weird-ass books. And I'm like, how come I'm not getting recommended these weird books? I want to read the smut. Right. But of course, I can't find it when I'm looking for it. But it it says something about like, you know, because it just gives you a little bits and pieces of the book. It said something about she married a guy with a wheelchair. But then on their wedding night, he stood up and impregnated her. And I'm like going, why the fuck is this on my Facebook? <laughs> why do you have to stand up to impregnate her? Well, because he's generally in a wheel- you can do that language. Well, maybe just part of him stood up. Well, because he's... <laughs> That's the end. That's going to do it for Three Three Book book Girls. girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.